if you say something that is not accepted or uh, the the government or the the establishment approves of, and you make enough noise, they'll come after you. And uh, you don't have to be a politician for that. You can be any activist. If you ruffle enough feathers, rock the boat, and your unapproved, unacceptable opinion makes enough noise, you can find yourself under investigation. I don't. I don't see a simple solution. To anything like decentralization, I get. Um, but man, the ideological homogenization, uh, uh, polarization, not homogenization, the ideological homog uh, polarization that we're seeing in this country. How do you decentralize ideology? You have conversations. Well, you, you have conversations, but come on. And I mean, it's, it, there is, you're right. There is no simple solution to the problems that we have. But you can't have conversations with a cult. <laughs> I mean, if you call them a cult, no, you can't have a conversation. It doesn't matter them. what but you call them. If you, but if but if you stand there and you you know if you walk into their neighborhood and you say, "Hey, I'm here knocking doors for the guy that normally doesn't knock the doors," what do you consider to be the problem? And then they they surprise you with saying, "Congress, Congress is the problem." And then you talk, start talking about the issues, and you find out that you have a lot more in common than you otherwise would have known. There are certainly instances where the right and the left have been like, if we can agree on this thing, can we at least do that? And it still don't happen. So uh, there's one viral video from a couple of years ago where a woman was going knocking on doors and she got attacked because she was pro-life. She was going to knock on doors and asking people and having conversations and she got physically attacked. Uh, yeah, I call them a cult because they're a cult, right? And I'll give you a, an explanation. I'll give you a good story. Um, it is, uh, why am I forgetting the guy's name? The famous blues musician, uh, man, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He's awesome. He uh, de-radicalized the Klan. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm confusing him with someone else, and I don't want to get the name wrong. So let me... Everybody in the chat knows. The only person I can think of is Coltrane, but... It's uh, Daryl Davis. I want to say David. I'm like, it's not David. It's Daryl Davis. So we invited Daryl Davis to speak at an event we were having. He is famous for being this... Uh, he's this old black blues musician who one day said to himself, I don't understand how someone could hate me if they never met me. So he went to Klan rallies. And uh, they were all racist. They didn't attack him or anything. He talked to him, And he said, and they had a lot of views and they were backwards. And uh, eventually, by getting to know him, a lot of these guys were like, you know, everything they told me was not true. None of these things describe you, Daryl. You're a good dude. And that de-radicalized de him. My, one of my favorite stories was that he met this like prominent Klansman who was very racist. And he, he heard that uh, the guy was a big fan of this, uh, you know, rock and roll legend. I can't remember the exact name. This guy owned his famous car. And he was talking to him one day and he asked him, like, you know, what kind of music is he into? And the guy mentioned he's a huge fan of this rock and roll guy. And Daryl, being a well-known industry musician, said, yeah, I can get you in the museum. You want to sit in the car? And the guy was like, what? And he's like, you come with me. I will get you in that car, the legendary car of this rock and roll superstar. And he's like, you're kidding me. And the guy cried. It's like his dream came true. And he was like, I can't believe everything they told me about this is just a lie. Daryl, you've, you've made my dreams come true. I can't believe it. He de-radicalized all these people. So we invite him to speak. We say, come to our event, headline, speak. He got a standing ovation. Everybody was so inspired by the guy. And all his story was, was let's talk to each other. He told these great stories about how he shut up to Klan meetings. And people thought he was crazy. That they're going to kill you. And he's like, no, they're not. They just said nasty things. They were insulting. But they talked to him. So outside of our event... Uh, so first what happens is Antifa threatened to burn down the theater where the event was taking place. The event was called Fighting, Ending Violence, Authoritarianism, and Racism. And it was a very libertarian 
uh, event. We had progressives there. And so they threatened to burn the theater down. They didn't want it to happen. That's a cult. The theater owner two weeks out said, they're threatening to burn the theater down. I can't do this. Go somewhere else. So we lost our venue of a thousand seats. And the best we could do is go to a casino that had 500 seats. We ended up having to refund tickets. We lost a lot of money from it, but the event happened anyway. The venue that was across the street from the theater that was going to host the after party for those who bought VIP tickets refused to back down. They were moderate liberal types. They started getting inundated with phone calls from people saying, you're racists, you're fascists. And it was really awesome because I was there and we were like paying a deposit and someone called and the woman who owned it, she was like, look at this, San Francisco phone number. And so she answers it and she's like, hi, what can I do for you? And the guy was like, I'm wondering why it is you're hosting a bunch of fascists and I'm upset. And I think that, you know, if you do this, then I will never be a customer at your establishment. And she's like, where do you live? And he was like, well, oh, California. And she was like, you've never been to my establishment. You never will be. So why are you calling me? And that was fascinating to see some guy on the other side of the country who had no idea what was going on, saw on the internet and decided he would join the cult. Here's what ends up happening. We have the event. It's fantastic. Everybody's hanging out. We got this thousand dollar bottle of scotch and everybody took a little bit. And across the street were, were far leftists, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. And so Daryl Davis, he's like, I'm gonna go talk to him. And we were like, Daryl, look, be careful. You know, and he's like, nah, come on. He's like, I know what I'm doing. What do you think happened when he went across the street? They probably attacked him. They screamed at him. They called him a Nazi and a fascist. And every time he tried to speak, they would start chanting so he couldn't. He came back in. It was like, what the f just happened? He ended up writing this viral post on Facebook about how never in his life has he experienced anything like that. That his whole mission has been de-radicalization, speaking with each other, community communication. That he's been able to go to the, the, the most vile of white supremacists and talk to them, even when they hate him and never agree with them. Some of them agreed and, de -radical and got de-radicalized and handed their ropes to him. Others told him he was wrong and they would never agree with him, but they would debate and they would argue with each other. But when he tried approaching anti-fun far leftists, they screamed at him and refused to even speak in any way. Oh. That's what we're dealing with. So you, if, you, if you want to be able to have a conversation with him, you have to break their large group, which you, you, you mentioned people from all across the country join this group, and it makes it look like they have more power than they do. Well, right. in, in this physical instance, the people across the street were just from, I think, New Brunswick, New Jersey or whatever, or Brunswick, whatever the city is. And it was like 17 people. I'm not saying that there's not a group dynamic there. I'm saying it wasn't like people from all over the country descended on New Jersey. Yeah. No, it was quite literally just like a small handful of BLM people from just north of where the venue was. And then, but it, again, and looking at it from the other perspective, it's 17 people and now you're... And one guy, one black man walks up saying, how do you do? Yeah. Well, how and many so people they, were at these, uh, what was it, the but, KKK meetings? Or what was the group? I, I, would, I would imagine the Klan meetings. The I'd Klan imagine meetings, dozens. Yeah. That was, that's what I mean. There was probably the same dynamic there, at least. That, that, that was Daryl's point. Yeah. He's like, he, could, he was shocked. He couldn't talk to these people. And he was like, he, he's a black man walking up by himself to a group of uh, some black, some white, asking them what's going on. And they screamed at him instead. So don't talk to them. Go talk to the other people that are in their homes raising their families who nobody ever talks to. Right. Bring them out on the street and outnumber the 17 people that are radicalized. That's how you change the system. And well, they're, they're taking care of their kids. They're not going to come out on the street like we were talking about. They're busy well, <laughs> getting involved in the political process. But they're also brainwashed, right? Yeah. So it's fascinating to look at the modern state of politics. And it's almost impossible to get through to how, how, how radicalized so many people are. 
Of course, they will claim we're the radicalized one. And I'm like, we have disparate political opinions. We argue with each other all the time. Y'all are the cult. And I got no problem saying that. Look, when we have some, we had someone come on the show and I'm like, we're talking and I go, you know, and when Joe Biden said, you're not getting the billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor. I mean, a lot of people see that as a quid pro quo. He goes, that never happened. And I was like, what? And I pulled up the video and I played it for him. He had never seen the video. So it's good those conversations happen, but it certainly didn't de-radicalize him. This guy's got a monetary incentive to keep going down the path he's going. There are people who make videos every day intentionally misrepresenting the arguments we make on our shows for the purpose of generating money while claiming it's that what we're doing. And then the problem is every time, you know, our faction engages in conversation, we try to respect the position of our opponent while they lie about our position for, for political and uh, financial gain while claiming we're the ones doing it. So if we if we're playing this game where we are opening up to conversation and desperately trying to convince people and they use that against us to hurt us, I'm not advocating for anything else. I'm just saying you know, you'll lose. I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I'm just saying that's why with the with the with the hyperpolarization, that's why I'm kind of like, I don't I don't I don't see a path forward. Adam Schiff lied on TV about having evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, just outright lied. Adam Schiff published the, published the private phone records of an American journalist for political gain. And, and he wins landslide victories in his district. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what he does. Joe Biden, his DOJ just arrested a whistleblower accusing the Biden family of corruption and wrongdoing. And, the, and, the, and, and CNN runs, the claims are now discredited. With no conviction, with no trial, the Biden DOJ said, what did he accuse us of? Bribery and corruption? Arrest him. CNN goes, well, that proves it. He was lying the whole time. Like, uh, or Biden is arresting those who are trying to blow the whistle and bring up evidence against him. Yeah. And, and what we were talking about before with purity, I think that this is where some of the purity comes in because within that uh, left-wing uh, <clears throat> cult, as you call it, and I guess I agree, you know, there is a purity test. If you disagree with them on any one point at all, you're out. Like you have to toe the line on every single issue from abortion to zebras. Even and when if, the issue changes. Yeah, even with, and if you don't, you're out. You could agree with them on 99% of the issues and be out there screaming and yelling at everybody in Antifa. You agree on one issue, you're out. I'll tell you, this, this is why, I, look, you know, I'm never going to walk up to somebody and tell them they're a cultist unless they are extreme. The average default liberal I'll talk to, I will approach them as best I can on their grounds. But two weeks ago, we were hanging out at MGM National Harbor playing poker. And I'm hanging out with people of different political backgrounds, a handful of which know me. A couple of them were Libertarian Mises Caucus guys. So they were probably closer to the being fans camp. Not, they don't agree with me, but they like listening to the show. They think the show is productive. There was one guy who totally disagreed, not a big fan of the show, but was familiar and was polite. And there's another guy who had what I would describe as Trump derangement syndrome. There's no communication with this guy. He's not politically active. He's not some guy marching in the streets. But if you went to his door and knocked, he'd scream in your face. This guy was muttering to himself like a psychopath when he found out that I would, was going to vote for Donald Trump. Someone at the table says, have you figured out who you're voting for yet? And I was like, oh, Trump, no question. His brain snapped in an instant. And he started just sputtering and muttering, I can't believe these people are so stupid. We can't live as stupid people. Just, you know, you'd be so dumb. You, just, you can't even argue with them because they're so, they're so morons. And, and I'm like, my guy, what is wrong with you? And he just kept muttering and sputtering. He said, name one thing. Name one thing Donald Trump did that you liked. And I went, Abraham Accords. And he was like, oh, you can't even name one thing. Can you, can you believe these people? They're so, they're so insane. They can't even think of one thing. And I'm like, this 55, 58-year-old man, you will never, never convince him to break from that cult. 
And that's the kind of mentality you have. There, there, there are two big distinctions that I, that I would see. Somebody who behaves that way, that's a cult. He's, he's, his brain is locked in this position. He will not listen to what you have to say. He doesn't know what you're saying. He doesn't care what you're saying. The other is, I was at a uh, Trump rally. This is probably 2016. <clears throat> in uh, um, Where was this? Oh, it was in California somewhere. Um, just east of Los Angeles. I think it was. And there were Trump supporters and there were tr anti-Trump leftists. I walk up to the Trump supporters and they got American flags. And I say, anybody want to tell me what's going on? I'm like, uh, I'll talk. You can talk. I'll, I'll talk. Uh, so we're here. We're supporting Trump. We have our flags. Here's what we want. I'm like, what do you, what do you like about Trump? Like, well, you know, insert a bunch of issues. I'm a union guy, man. He's the only guy who's talking about bringing the factories back. Another person says, I can't stand the political correctness. I like that he's brash and that he says these things. Okay. I get varying opinions. I walk across the street. They're the far leftists. And I go, I was like, how's it going? Anybody want to talk? And Mike, check, Mike, check, Mike, check. What? Do not, do not talk to, talk to anyone, anyone about politics. And I was like, okay. Did anybody want to tell me why they're here? Mike, check, Mike, check. That's what they do. Since Occupy Wall Street, this is what they do. Anybody outside the group who tries to talk, they will start doing this thing called mic check over and over again so that no one can say a word. And this is a group of like, I don't know, nine people. There's one organizer commanding the group. And by doing something as simple as mic check, the premise of which is I'm just trying to amplify my voice. In reality, it shuts down anybody who even asks a question. Why? None of these people could answer the question.